This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Well, all right. Welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. Kevin and Chuck. Today, we're going to talk long-term shelter. Now, here's what I'm thinking. So, this isn't really like bug-out location that you've been preparing and building your camp. Or, you know, you decide you want to live off-grid. Now, obviously, I'm going to have a lot of useful information if you're doing these things. Or even setting up a bug-out location. But, I'm thinking more kind of when you're limited to kind of what you can carry out there mm-hmm. and you're leaving in a hurry and maybe you're starting from scratch because bad guys came and burned down your house. Right. So or your wife has just been nagging you nagging and nagging your, you and you and finally shoot her and the cops are it. coming to get you. And the cops are coming to get you. So or your husband. Have, I mean, you shoot don't your have husband a lot too. of time to prepare for <laughs> something like that, right. to be honest. So basically the way I envisioned it was... Well, maybe the, um, I don't know. Like, all right, so the shit hits the fan. You decide you're going to hunker down in your house and whatever and tough it out. And you live in the suburbs and you're like, I can handle it. Well, all of a sudden there's like a rival street gang that's, you know, going from house to house and whatever. And you realize, hey, they have AK-47s. And you're just you, your wife, and your kids, and it's not really going to work. And all of a sudden, based on all your planning and prepping and whatever, oh, shit, you got to get out of there. Or maybe you're out and you come home and shit hits the fan and you come home and your house is burned to the ground or looted and every window is broken and all your supplies are gone. Anything Mm -hmm. of value, gone. You got to start over. So, and I was kind of thinking of this more of an approach of like you and another family 
you and, you know, like not just the small. I think the small, it's kind of obvious and easy. But I right. think if you're trying to kind of rebuild and kind of get away, it might be you and your, you know, your brother's family, your whatever, you know, like three or four families where you have kind of a group and you're trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's that's where I want to go with this. What do you think? All right. All right. Well, I think uh, you know, I like my idea idea of of shooting your husband more, but I mean, yeah. whatever. All right, could go either way. Whatever. You know, so, I didn't put strict guidelines in place. Mm-hmm. So it could it could go either way. Um, I think the first thing you have to consider is really choosing a location. Right. Right. Um now, if it is shit hits the fan and and you thought you were secure where you were and now it's not Odds are you got to get pretty far away. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably want to go if you're like in the cabin on the road. Maybe you need to be five miles from the road, or somebody else is just going to find you again. Right now, um, you know, I always tend to think of my location where I'm at, mm-hmm. what I would use. You know, here in the majestic Adirondack Mountains. Oh, majestic. I would, yeah, I'd look for, for, you know, a cave or an outcropping of rock you to start to, well, to start to build your shelter on. You know, it already gives you a, a form of protection. You got one wall already set up. Um, but, you know, a lot of other places, like, a, like say, a desert, um, if you're looking at the, at the dunes and there's nothing around, you know, you're going to look at the steep side of the dunes. Because the wind is coming from the opposite direction, you know. If you're, say, on an island uh, surrounded by ocean, you might want to go towards the center of the ocean, you know, or center of the island to, you know, afford yourself a little bit more protection. Um, but depending on your location, it's gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna have to to choose the best uh, situation. Now, there's some other things you want to consider, like water supply, right? You're going to be close to the water, or is it clean? Is it going to be shitty? Or you, right. gonna, you know, whatever. And you also want to think about um, that water supply during a flood. You know, you don't want to be right next to it. And if you're in a low lying area that's generally dry, it might not be that way under a heavy rain. You might be, you know, set up your shelter in a giant, uh, you know, pond that forms. Right, and security is an issue. Like we were talking, distance from the road. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a big mountain overlooking it that anybody who's up there is going to look down and go, oh, there's a camp right over there. Right. You know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what's near you. But, and, you know, sometimes you don't have Now, a that guy, um, Eric Rudolph, he was, uh, he was the guy that escaped and hid out in the woods for about 10 years. All right. What did he do? He, uh... He built his right along the edge of a mountain towards the towards the peak, mm-hmm. but down down a, a little ways, and uh, found like a, a crevice in the rock, and that's where he started building his shelter. All right, so he actually lived in the crevice. In the crevice, that's where he had his fire. Right in the butt crack of the mountain. Right in the crack. All right. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying uh, following his his footsteps. I mean, he was a. a a murderer and a bomber. Oh, so you wouldn't go that way. I'm I'm just saying if you happen to be a murderer and a bomber and you want to hide be a out, technique yeah, for look you. into this guy. And maybe find another podcast. Yeah. Cuz just don't tell him you were downloading our podcast. Right. 
Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, don't be like, yeah, Kevin and Chuck suggested, <laughs> but just be like Kevin suggested. Kevin suggested that I bomb abortion clinics and rob banks. No. No, you didn't? I didn't. Okay. I Thank just God. saved somebody's life right there. That was See, nice I'm here. always killing them. I'm saving them now. Taking it the other way, huh? All right. Also think about, you know, one, getting materials and supplies to the location mm -hmm. or what resources are going to be available there to build. Right. Um, right. You know, You're going to have a hard time building a shelter in the desert if that's your, your situation, you know? You're going to have a hard, hard time finding a water source, too. Um, I recommend not spending the apocalypse in the desert. Yeah, that's probably a good move. That's the better. But if you go over the desert in the United States, there's trailers with full of crazy people all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they do it, but, you know, miles and miles from anybody else. Just out there being crazy by themselves. All right. Now, one, if this is anything you considered and and you take it at all like possible in your mind you're like well this could be a thing and this could happen i would recommend maybe caching some yeah. stuff mm -hmm. um say hey you know maybe you scout these places out you take the weekend trip go out with the four-wheeler mm -hmm. um you're out on the dirt bikes in the woods and you scope out some good locations mm -hmm. just saying that might be a thing right now you don't want to be like on the general trail where somebody out hunting is gonna oh yeah, what's going on over you know, there? Because you imagine people are going to start hunting further and further out if times are hard, right? Mm -hmm. So you got to, you know, plan your plan your escape. But if you can plan out, like burying maybe a little cache, some things. I recommend using a cooler. No, I, to I'm bury saying cache, yeah. not like cash. Like burying cash, mm -hmm. not really going to help you in the apocalypse. No, no. But spelt different, pronounced yeah. the same. Well, kind of the same, right? So, mm -hmm. what I would say, pre-stage, maybe ammo, possibly ap extra weapons. Mm -hmm. um, in New York, you might want to stash some 30-round magazines. I don't know. Mm -hmm. California, whatever. Yeah. You know, that's something you could do out there. Um, I would also say an axe. Right. I would say a bow saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some sharpening equipment. Mm -hmm. A little bit of food would be nice too, but you know, hey, I'll, mm -hmm. I'll take what I can get. You know, right. you throw a three ninety nine AR and a thousand rounds. Mm -hmm. It's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, you maybe uh, you know, you you have that in an axe, some dry matches, some food, mm -hmm. some little uh, starter stuff. Get a, you a long way. A tarp and uh, some paracord. Tarp. Now, there were some other good things I was thinking. I like paracord. I like a tarp. Yeah. Uh, making a How roof cool? out, of, out of bark is not pleasant if you can. Well, here, I'm going to one-up you. If we're really staging this, mm -hmm. and I got to tell you, I think, I mean, aside of the AR and the ammo, um, I think for 100 bucks, like, obviously, you guys have heard me talk about a good axe is worth its weight in gold and, mm -hmm. and whatever, but... If you went to Home Depot or Lowe's and bought a $15, $25 axe, or maybe you even yard sailed it mm -hmm. and found a $5 axe, you mm -hmm. know, something like that, right? If you put an axe, a shovel, um, you know, some little bit of food and stuff out there, 
It'd make life a lot easier. A bow saw. Yeah, a shovel um, would be a big help with a lot of uh, a lot, lot of, of this stuff. So another thing you might want to consider, and this is what I was thinking, if you could time it, um, if you have like a four-wheeler or some kind of resources while things are good, a roll of tar paper mm-hmm. costs you like 25 bucks. Yep. And just like Kevin said, making roofing material, mm-hmm. you your world would be so much better if you had a tar paper roof and then threw whatever the hell you want to throw on it to protect it. Right. You know, you could throw sod on there, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me just say that uh, tar paper does degrade uh, pretty quickly when exposed to UV. So it's great building material, but you want to throw something over top of it. And believe it or not, same thing really applies with uh, tarps. Mm-hmm. Right. You have a tarp roof or something, even just throwing a sheet or a blanket mm-hmm. on top of it will protect it from the sun and really prolong the life. Right. But uh, throwing sod or something like that over it's really going to be your key mm-hmm. um, to, you know, enhancing it. I'm just saying those things. We're going to, you know, talk about some options if that doesn't work. But just the same, that's a great, you know, starting point, having all that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's unreasonable. Even if, work with me, even if you stash this stuff on your own property mm-hmm. in a back corner, I'd like you to stash it somewhere out there where, you know, you might actually head. Right. Because you know what? It doesn't take anything to go out there now, even if you rented a four-wheeler if you didn't have one mm-hmm. or borrow one from your buddy. Right. Or I say go buy one. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, if you pay attention for six months, eight months, you can find one for 500 bucks. Right. They're not, you know, whatever. And maybe you can do a five hiking trips and you carry this stuff out one at a time. Um, you know, one item at a time. You know, right. roll of tar paper is kind of heavy. But you really can't go five miles with a roll of tar paper mm-hmm. if you, you can't. You should be ashamed of yourself. Shame. Mm-hmm. Shame. You know? So these are some things you might want to think about because having this stuff staged could mean the world. Right. Um, you know, starting over from nothing is pretty tough. Yeah, I'm a but, big fan of uh, of Native Americans. You know, I'm always uh, into... Um, their styles of, of building, the, their skills in hunter, hunting and gathering. I'm always paying attention to that sort of stuff. And they really, uh, you know, they really had it together. You, you I used don't, to date the three sisters, isn't that right? I, I am not going to comment on that. Um, beans were kind of hot, but I don't know about <laughs> no, squash. No. All right. Because, you know, that was one of the big things. Those Indians, they'd plant the corn. Mm-hmm. They'd plant the beans and the squash. I guess what would happen is the beans would create nitrogen, which helps the corn mm-hmm. the soil. The beans grow up the stalks of the corn mm-hmm. shaft there. Then they'd plant the squash in between, which has the big, broad leaves. Right. And those leaves keep covering the, the area yep. would keep the weeds down, and they'd also keep the soil moist for longer. And mm-hmm. it was really a big win all around. But that's not... Exactly what we're talking about right now. But mm-hmm. that's, you know, kind of a thing. So, speaking of Indians, mm-hmm. turns out up here in the Northeast, we had the Algonquin Indians. Right. Now, I don't know about the younger, more modern generation, but I know mm-hmm. when I was a kid, you always had to make some kind of stupid longhouse in school. Jeez. Uh, I was. Board. They always had it. Everybody did it. I don't I know. Was, I was uh, looking, you know, looking through like, um, 
for videos of people actually building longhouses. And they were like school projects? Not, I had to wade through so many popsicle stick longhouses to find somebody that actually built a, a real one. But, I mean, you can make, I tell you what, you can make it out of pipe cleaners. <laughs> there pops, are a lot of options. A myriad of options. All right. So, what I was thinking is, you're probably better off building one shelter. No, it depends on the size of your group. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe you're one family. Maybe it's just you and your four or your five. Maybe it's because it gets easier as you're smaller. It's harder to do the work by yourself, but you only have to do so much work, you know, mm-hmm. and you're only answering to you. And it turns out when it's just you, you can tough it out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Suck has, it up. Has been my experience. But anyway, you want to build one shelter you can all deal with. Now, that may be everybody crammed in two families into a tiny cabin that you build, mm-hmm. or maybe it's six families and you build some kind of longhouse like the Iroquois and like that. Now, what they did, they it was kind of different than I imagined it. I always see the pictures, and it's the long building, and it's, you know, it, it's got straight sides, no windows, just open on either end, and it has a rounded roof. Mm-hmm. Now, what was unique to all of them that I didn't really realize till I went back and kind of researched this is they would use, they would make the frame on the outside. But if you were looking from the side and looking in, there were actually four support beams straight up and down. Mm -hmm. And what it would be is you would have like a, a rack. Like if you think of like bunk beds on either side as you walk through the center. Right. So you have four posts that all go to the same height in the center. And, you know, think of a rectangle building, but mm-hmm. then you're going to run the rounded roof, you know, over the top there. Right. And you use, use saplings for that, you know, t- they, tie they them off they on each end and use, bend them over. They had a word for it that I can uh, possibly find. Uh, and called... then generally they would use uh, uh, long strips of bark. What they would do is during the spring... They would uh, cut down the trees, and when the sap was running, right, they'd cut a line straight down the log, and then peel the bark around out each side, and then weight it down when the sap was running because the bark came off easier, right. And then they would weight it down and let it dry so it would be flat. Now they called it a second growth forest, mm-hmm. and the idea is when you have thick old trees, mm-hmm. it's tough to do anything. Whereas after a forest fire or, you know, disease comes ripping through, you end up with a lot of skinny, tall, straight mm-hmm. trees. Right. And they would use those small shafts to go in and do it. And again, it doesn't have to be that tall. I mean, you could be six foot. I think that a lot of them were in that closer to seven, eight foot because mm-hmm. they did like double bunks and right. that kind of thing. But um, and they would run fires in there, whatever. But back to what you were saying, the sides were made out of bark, mm-hmm. and they were using the bark both for, they, they would strip it and use it to tie it all together. Right. But they also, like you said, would lay it out in sheets Big after sheets, they peeled right. it back. They would wet it down. They would take it while it's still wet, wet it down, and let it dry in big flat sheets mm-hmm. and they would like put rocks on it and whatever. And then after they put it up on the sides of the, the building, they would then run branches along the outside 
to kind of clamp, you know, clamp it in. Right. And so that was a neat way to do it. Now, something like that, or settled and have that one safe structure established, you could start then building smaller other buildings. Um, the main building could then be used as like a barn. It could be used, you know, like livestock. It could be like a trading post. It could be your meeting hall. It, you know, kind of could be your main like group gathering area yeah. where stuff happens. And the and other you know, can be the smaller private sleeping areas. They don't need to be that big. Like they could do the kitchen in the longhouse. You have a lot of options yeah. to have shared space and then do smaller outside. Yeah, and typically with the longhouses, they could be, I mean, they could be, you know, the, I think the biggest surviving one uh, was 400 feet long. That's a long And house. they would stretch it. And basically one family would live on one side, then the fire would be in the middle, then the next family, then the fire, and the next family. And that way they could share heat uh, but still have their own private areas. Um, so that, that center fire would be basically the communal area, you know, where you would, uh, you know, have, have a meeting, say. So, you know, that was a very interesting way to set it up, I thought. You know, a separation, but also a meeting place in between. Not bad. Um, now, what are some other types of shelters we do? Like, so say we get established, that's already good. How do we expand now, I have a bunch of different areas we want to add to this, like different things you'd want to set up mm -hmm. if you're making like a group homestead. Right. But what type of individual shelters could we do? Well, um, one that I uh, thought was pretty interesting was uh, uh, Sweat Lodge. Um, a few years ago, I used to do uh, Sweat Lodges quite a bit. And I built one... Uh, um, Let's see, this is probably going back about 15 years. All right. Um, basically what it is, it's, it's you get uh, eight saplings, and you do about 10, ten, eight, ten feet apart. You would put two holes next to each other, about two feet apart, and about eight feet across, two other holes. You'd set the saplings in there and bend them over. And then on the opposite sides... You do the same thing, so you're basically creating a dome right. with a square in the middle, and then you would just lay, uh, dig a hole in the center, and uh, leave that center square on the roof open. Then you could have the fire in the center, and just drape blankets or whatever over top of it. It would keep the rain out, and it would stay somewhat dry because the fire would always be drying out the blankets, and. Um, Tell you what, man, you get a good sweat up in there, yeah. and uh, doesn't doesn't matter if it's ten degrees outside, you're you're steaming when you come out. And uh, a lot of the natives would do this, um, and you know, go in uh, cold rivers afterwards, and it would be uh, basically a way to shower without you know without having a shower. Good way to get clean, and also it's a good way to to it's like a sauna almost, you know. It's a good way to uh, relax your muscles and, and recover from, you know, strained muscles and, and things like that. So uh, I always like that idea. It seems very simple, easy to make, and, um, you know, it's useful if you're into that sort of thing. Um, now, another thing is like log cabins. Right. 
Um, turns out they're not as impossible if you think small. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with doing a small room and then doing another room. Right. Or, you know, and just expanding as you go. Right. And uh, eight by eight is, is easy to make. Especially if you got a lot of people there to help you mm-hmm. and whatever. That's why, you know, I mentioned the axe. It's not hard. I mean, obviously, a chainsaw, if you can plan before the, the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, in any one of these situations, a chainsaw would be a big help, you know? I mean, that's um, great. But if it, you don't have it, you know what? You make light work with a yeah. bow saw right. and an axe. And think about this. A lot of the natives, especially with the longhouse, they were using stone tools to do this. So with a steel knife and a hatchet, yeah. you know, you, you're years ahead of that. sharpening stone. Yeah, and a decent tree, right. Right. Um, now, another thing I wanted to talk about before we get into the log houses was uh, building a, a basic A-frame. Okay. Now, tell me about now, how would you do that. Basically, you would either use a tripod on either end for a ridge pole, or you'd fix it between two branches if you're you know, in a, in a rush and you just could find the right spot to do it. And uh, you're going to lean up, you know, uh, maybe 10-foot poles. 45, 60 degrees apart, you know, a 60-degree angle, Now and lean know, it in. The way you do that is, so you have the two long poles, you tie the end together with rope at the top, and then you just pull it up and then pull them out at the bottom. Right. And then you can just, like, lash around the top mm-hmm. and kind of tighten it up with another rope. It's not too hard to yeah. get that to come together pretty easy. Right, and if you have a tarp... Or uh, tar paper, you've got a you've got a, a house in in about forty five minutes. You know, uh, especially if you've got somebody else competent with you. Which I mean, it's not always the case, but hopefully, uh, you know, case. we're talking about more uh, long term shelters right. here. The, than... These people have already made it through the first three weeks of the apocalypse, mm-hmm. so you've already weeded out a lot of the right. chaff. You know, <laughs> a lot of the losers. Um. And teepees, that's another fairly simple thing. And those are those are good because they, you know, they're pretty movable. And if you kill buffalo, their skins. There you go, perfect, perfect for that. Mm-hmm. And basically, what you would do is you'd got want at least three straight, long straight poles, and you tie them together at the end, and then stand it up, spread out the bottom, and then just wrap the outside. Now these with, uh, your tar paper. Typically, when you look at it from the Indian perspective, they're usually pretty big at the base. Right. Um, they would usually have a fire going in the center. So up where the branches go through, the smoke's going right out there. It's kind of mm-hmm. open. And you're like, well, what if it rains? But if you have a fire going, yeah. the moisture isn't usually coming in. Right. And, uh, you know, a lo- another thing to think about when you're building these the smaller it is, the more heat you're going to have be able to keep in there. Yeah. You know, when you get into these bigger things, you really are going to have to think about heating your your uh, log cabin or your long house or your teepee. Um, but uh, let's get into the log cabins a little bit. All right. Um, what are your thoughts there? Now, really what you want to do is, is find uh, trees that are about, Six to eight inches in diameter. Sounds right. right. Well, you want a movable. Now, there are a lot, if you actually do some research, there are a lot of ways to move logs that are 
pretty big and pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fulcrum things, rolling things, different things you can do that make it pretty easy. Um, I've seen guys make carts where they basically have two wheels and an axle, mm-hmm. and they'll drop the uh, the log on it, and then they can mysteriously drag it through the woods pretty easy. Right. There's a lot of different little tricks you can do. Um, I saw a guy take two sticks together, well, two logs, you know, like four-inch diameter logs mm-hmm. that were about six feet long, made like a A with it, mm-hmm. and was able to use it as like a fulcrum and pull the bigger logs, right? you know, with and just the leverage. just tip it over. And tip it over. But, you know, I mean, there's different options if you do your research now. Trying to be clever and come up with this shit after the fact, mm-hmm. not so easy. But an hour or two on YouTube might give you some ideas. And maybe a notepad yeah. is not the end is, wrong, you know, yeah. to make some notes Now, Davy Crockett. King of the Wild Frontier. King of the Wild Frontier apparently once built a log cabin just by cutting trees down at the right angle so they all fell on fell on the right spot, and he just was able to cut the trees down. They fell down, built the cabin. I think you should just do it that way. That's the easiest way. That also is probably a tall tale. Yeah. It sounds like a lot of bullshit on that one. But if you could do it that way, that's the easiest way, you know? That is. But um, you can notch the ends when you lock them together. Yes. Um, and you can notch the top and bottom of the log. Uh, a lot of people say, though, you should just notch the bottom. Where it lays over top. That way you're not having water pooling up in between the logs there. You know? Um, You're going to want to take all the bark off the logs before you start to use it. Bark on the logs is going to, it's going to have, keep insects in. Insects, yep. And And it's going to rot a lot faster. Slowly rot. But I got to tell you, I've seen people leave the bark and get, you know, 25 years out of it. I'm Mm -hmm. not saying they rot right away Mm -hmm. if you don't, but it will help things if you can get that bark off. But if you can't and you're really rushed, you can maybe try and get it off later and whatever. I'm not saying it's the end of the world if you don't get the bark off. Mm -hmm. The other thing I'd recommend, again, I've seen people take pine logs and lay them right in the dirt. And they do okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they last 20, 25 years before they start rotting. Whatever. If you really want it to be the long-term shelter, it'd be cool if your base, four logs, whatever's on the foundation on the ground, if you use cedar mm-hmm. or something that isn't going to rot, that might be a better way to go for just the base. And then, I mean, yeah, it's cool if it's all cedar. Right. But good luck finding that many cedar trees right, especially right next that to many, each other. Yeah, straight cedar trees. They yeah. tend to be that's not naughty yeah. and knobby. And obviously, but if when you, you look for, for the, the trees, base. you're going to want to find straight trees that are um, similar diameter. You know, you don't want to shrink. You know, six inches over ten feet. You know, you want something that's going to that's going to be somewhat consistent. Now, don't forget to dig your uh, little root cellar in the center. Mm-hmm. Little cooler then, inside the yep. uh, cabin. Now, what was the uh, what was the Mad Trapper's name? He built his root cellar, and that's where you hide from the dynamite. Albert Johnson. Albert Johnson. That's right. Go back that's a couple episodes option. if you don't remember and that. What's one. cool is you pull out the stores that you have in there. You hide in the root cellar, put the stores on top. And then the bad guys come in. Oh, look! Here's a bunch of canned food. I'll just take that, mm-hmm. and then they leave. And then when they're walking away, you shoot them in the back. That's right. 
Secret of the pros. Always shoot them in the back. Um, how about uh, uh, just building a basic lean-to? Um, that's another one. Uh, you want the ridge pole standing up, and you're just going. It's basically the same as an A-frame, except just one-sided. The problem with this is you basically have three open sides. And uh, it's really hard to, to fill those in. You basically have one wall. Right. And anytime I've built a lean-to, it's been a nightmare trying to, you know, build those triangle walls. It just never never makes any sense. But you got to stack shit. You got to stack shit. Maybe, That's basically maybe your what firewood doing. is stacked up for walls mm-hmm. over there, you know? Who knows? Yep. But, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. That's it. You get protection from one direction. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it's middle of the winter, you're making some snow walls, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I could see that as, like, a constant fight. Now, then there's a bunch of things. So after you get your shelters and your sleeping quarters, um, maybe after you get, like, the main living shelter, I think the next move is you got, like, a camp kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, water filtration and irrigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also want to set up like a latrine. Yeah, um, now it's very important to uh, not plan your own shit. No, it turns out that's where disease spreads. Disease, parasites, all the nasty uh, nastiness. Um, you uh, maybe want to look at fencing in areas like gardens. Uh, maybe livestock. Now, hopefully, it's cool if you had some chickens or something to bring with you. But it turns out you can catch, like, rabbits in the wild. Mm-hmm. And it turns out more and more of this country, you can catch pigs in the wild. Yeah. And I, I don't know that I'd want to try and re-domesticate a wild boar. Hey, baby steps. Mm-hmm. If you can get them to breed, <laughs> then, you know, I don't know. I, I think you could do it. Yeah, I know there's a phrase... A phrase uh, that says fuck like rabbits. They but do. I, I don't know that they say fuck like pigs, though. They don't say that? No. I mean, right. I maybe I just don't know all the phrases, but it seemed like if, if you were saying fuck like pigs, it wouldn't be procreation. Right. It wouldn't mean like, you know, my fat neighbors, Bill and Pam. Uh, oh, oh, technical foul. <laughs> all right, so water filtration, though. Um, I think we've gone into that on other episodes. Maybe we'll revisit it building, you know, a water filter. Maybe that'll be one of these short episodes we got. Mm-hmm. We'll kind of get into something like that. Yeah, and I've seen quite a few interesting I mean, we had water ep- episodes and ways mm-hmm. to do, you know, setting up storage. But I'm kind of thinking maybe we talk about, like, water filtration in a totally off grid where you have no resources aside of nature, mm-hmm. you know, and, and maybe we can find a way to do that yeah. and kind of set you up there. Um, also think about maybe setting up like some kind of hospital or clean operating room. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you work with what you got, you know, the best thing that you can set up is better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so just something to be aware of. And same thing, maybe like a butcher shop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So these things all kind of come in time, maybe even like a bathhouse. You yeah. know, if somebody's creative enough and you're getting things going, setting up a way for people to bathe or shower or whatever, it's probably not an impossible task. Mm-hmm. Again, not your priority when you're desperate to find food and survive. Right. 
But if you have enough people and things start going, you know, you got to kind of start rebuilding back to normal. Right. And I, a uh, couple of, uh, couple years ago, I got one of those uh, solar showers. It's just basically a black bag that hangs hangs from a tree branch. Turns out it's, you could work something out. Yeah, it's a huge, uh, huge advantage. And if all you really need is a black bag and a hose that you can turn off and on. And this is something, you know, you can rig up without a black bag. You can find a way, a five-gallon mm-hmm. bucket, a, a different thing. There's ways to do it mm-hmm. is the bottom line. Um, I, well, I don't know about the solar part and the warm but you can rig up a shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, not my priority in the beginning. I'm worried about shelter. I'm worried about getting food. Staying I'm, warm. I'm worried about security. You know, all these things come first, but there comes a time when it's time to start thinking outside of the box. Um, doing the research now, I mean, that's really why we do this podcast. We want to keep you guys, you know, thinking about the different things, the different ways. And if you're like, oh, you know, there's a way to do that. I heard somebody did this once mm-hmm. or, you know, and, you know, a lot of it, we kind of expect you to kind of the ideas that you think are valuable to kind of start doing a little research on your own. Um, same thing like aquaponics, things like that. Having a book around or something like that to help you move things along. If you could get a way better yield out of your food production, That'll make a huge difference, mm-hmm. you know, in the end of the world there. Right. Just saying, you know, I mean, I guess people are always like, well, I don't think there'll be an economic collapse. I don't think there'll be an EMP. But I know my experience in the military, people in these other countries that I've been in, they didn't expect their world to turn to shit. Right. You know, they didn't think that they'd be forced to, you know, hide out in the woods for a month at a time or six months at a time mm-hmm. or years at a time. Right. Um, I mean, you know, this has been going on in Venezuela for years now. You know, uh, their they, government has just basically collapsed and shooting anybody that's trying to. People are actually flooding that country with uh, food and supplies and they're shooting anybody that's going after them. Any any supplies that are dropped in, they're burning it. They'd rather have people starve than get help from other people. So, I mean, you know, and they were like the fifth, you know, most, uh, whatever, successful economy or something like eight years ago. Right. It wasn't that long ago, mm-hmm. you know. And this is the kind of thing. You don't know when your world's going to turn to shit. You know, the Jews in Germany didn't know their world was going to turn to shit. Right. And, and it happened quick. It happens very quick. And the thing is, you know, be careful what you give up. So I just thought we'd put that out there, give you some options, get you thinking and kind of, you know, coming up with a plan in the back of your head. Because, no, you probably won't ever need this information. But you might, and it really sucks if you didn't have it, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's where you want to do. Now, another thing is staying sharp with your weapons. That's right. Getting a little tactical, tactical maybe. Mm-hmm. Told them I'm not supposed to use that word. But it sounds super corny. It sounds super corny. And I'm a pretty corny guy. So having cool AR stuff or getting your guns ready and, and set up and actually going out and practicing. Knowing and how to use them. them. Yeah. Knowing how to use them. Putting lead you know, down range. Well, there's one way that you can step up your game, and that's with tack pack. That's right. Tack pack 
is going to get you the gear to get you on point and back in the range quickly with your guns cleaned easily, have the right accessories, the right gear, something you might be interested in. Now, for a low fee of forty nine ninety five a month, mm-hmm. they will send you out hundreds sometimes dollars worth of gear mm-hmm. for one forty nine ninety five payment. And there's always a cool knife in there. I always like to look cool forward knife. to that. Not always a cool knife. Most of the time there's a cool knife. Mm -hmm. Last time, no cool knife. But there was a nice tourniquet. If you cut yourself with that knife, Mm -hmm. you were in. So if you use the code BADASS, they're going to hook you up with a gun cleaning mat. Mm -hmm. And you're going to be all set with cool gear every month. And And that cleaning mat is actually pretty dope. Pretty dope. Mm -hmm. I think actually one of our listeners received one for free. Just for being a listener to this great podcast. Yes, that's correct. So, and I did see some pictures of it. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like it made his life better. So, could change your life too. Also, just wanted to let you know, Hamish, those patches are on the way. They didn't give me any grief about the customs thing. We'll see what happens. Who knows? All right. Let us know when you get them so that we know how long it takes. Because I think we got another patch coming to another... uh, Another Australian. Those freaking Aussies all want patches. You know? So, with that, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm.